It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. And welcome to the broadcast. Our special guest is Ken Stacy, a fantastic vocalist. Ken, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. And you are uh, the lead singer of the band Ambrosia. One of the, yeah, myself, I, I sing lead and play acoustic guitar. And Joe Puerta, the bass player, who's one of the original members, he's also one of the lead singers in the band and plays and, bass. Yeah. And both of you, I mean, you can hit the high note. <laughs> Do you have high note offs? Do you have a I contest got... uh, behind closed <laughs> oh, doors to yeah. see who can get higher? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of clenching, you know. I mean that I saw you just saw you play in the, uh, right. the signature one of the signature songs biggest part of me yeah. you I mean some glass broke <laughs> I, they, were they sweeping it I yes that's uh, in fact they made that's an announcement when you glasses. walked off the stage I, I don't wear my glasses <laughs> during that show it's embarrassing you know they shatter so it doesn't hurt you hit the high note I mean it's it just hurt. totally normal for you a guy like me tries that and there's going to be some pain the thing that's killing me is the smoke <laughs> I come from California and I don't care where you go there's never any smoke wherever you perform. So this is, and it's been a long time. So the minute we walked in here today, I was like, oh, God. <coughs> so, been trying to kick the phlegm off my cords all yeah, night. Sometimes so. uh, you got to deal with some smoke. Oh, you got to do it. Ken Stacy is our guest, uh, vocalist, lead singer with Ambrosia. You um, do a lot with mentoring. And, and you, we, uh, on this social awareness radio show, we like to talk about mentoring. Sure. Uh, tell us what you do with some young uh, singers that look up to you. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I have a, a partner of mine. His name is Sean Holt, and together we put together a, a company called Vocal League. And Vocal League is a, a program in which we were trying to create a new community in which young singers coming up that were still being supported and advocated by their parents could find an environment where it was safe. Um, there, are, you know, there are a lot of pariahs in the, in, in the industry, and a lot of people come to that town or even come up in that town and still are extremely um, apt to be taking, taken advantage of. Um, and there are a lot of people, you know, promising the moon and the stars. And when people come to the other side of it, the kid really hasn't gotten any further, is often not left intact um, emotionally. Um, the wind gets taken out of their cells as it is. A lot of very talented people you may never hear about because they give up, because they get such a bad taste in their mouths from the experience. And we found that that was a real travesty. So we decided to put together a program in which we would work with that, the young talent and their parents um, and help them really uh, assess where they are within uh, the industry, what it's going to take them to get to their goals, create a plan for them so that they can achieve those, make those marked steps to achieve those goals, hopefully put some numbers on the board and create some leverage through social media, through positioning of songs and, and different opportunities that will help them create some leverage so they could actually uh, start their careers. Most importantly, wherever that leads them, that they go to through the come through the other side of it with a with their values intact, a real good strong work ethic. So it's kind of like going to school. There's never a promise of where it's going to lead you because nobody knows where it's going to lead you. But we want the parents and the child to go through the other side of this and realize, well, that's been a great experience. I'm going to keep going on, or I'm going to go do this. But whatever comes out of it, that they feel whole, complete, that they've really learned and gained something from from the experience, and that it'll enrich their lives regardless of where their careers take them. And we also work the parents and teach them how to best advocate for their advocate for their kids that's 
fantastic to hear. I think of, um, or when I think of Hollywood, mm-hmm. um, the music industry, being a rock star, values, family, enrichment, mm-hmm. those are some terms that don't really come to mind when I think of Hollywood and the music industry. So exactly. it's good to get a, a, how, the youngest age or the average age you work with. I would say the average age is 14 to 15. Sometimes they come a little bit younger. Uh, we have a client right now who started with me when she was about 11 and a half, and she's now 14, and uh, she's doing great. She's been just growing exponentially as a singer, a performer, a songwriter. Uh, she, we've partnered her up with producer, and she's about to shoot a music video, and she's doing wonderful. The most important thing is that you know she is intact. She's emotionally evolving like a teenager should, um, mom has is a fantastic a fantastic advocate for her and uh, again wherever the path may lead because we don't know I, I can't even tell you how I got to the experiences in my life you know I just hung in there you know didn't give up um, but it, it would have been nice to have had somebody early on to really help guide and nurture because it can be a very um, very daunting experience, and like I said, it can take a lot of, it can steal a lot of the creative energy away from people and the at, the aspiration towards you know going after their dreams because they feel like they're just up against an insurmountable wall. So, it's do you do you use um, examples of um, I guess bad decision making with these young people? Yes, um, mine. Oh, <laughs> your, your own experiences. Here's what I've mine, done. People Don't do that this. I've worked with. I mean, I've had the good fortune of sharing the stage in the studio with some of the greatest icons in popular music so I've I've seen a lot go on I've experienced a lot go on I've made my mistakes through my career I've and I've made good choices and so has Sean and so have uh, everybody else we know within this business that treats it as a profession and understands how to be a professional musicians oftentimes get a really bad rap because there isn't there is let's face it a rather immature aspect to a creative person that's both good because there's this endless possibility of what could be in this creative energy. On the other hand, uh, what goes along with that often is, a, is somebody that kind of lives out here in the ether and doesn't realize that there are very concrete, congruent steps that you ne- need to take in order to develop a career that can sustain you mm-hmm. and that you have to learn how to be a professional and really suit up and show up. It's not just about the craft and the whatever you play or if you sing, but it's mm-hmm. all the other stuff that happens between the notes and, and behind the scenes that really make for a, you know opportunity in a career. A couple of names that come to mind that I think could have used your uh, mentoring. Um, Amanda Bynes, yeah. Lindsay Lowen. Right. I mean, you see these sure. kind of examples and maybe sure. use them with your own clients. You can. I think those are Clive Britney Spears. Uh, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. I think what happens is is that... You know, the, for the for the desire the desire for the brass ring is more important than the value system, and that is that unfortunately, and and often it has to do with the people. These are teenagers coming up in this business, so I have to say it has a great deal with, to do with not only the parents but the people within the industry around them that are using them as simply another widget, another tool towards their own advancement. Those, they're expendable. Mm-hmm. And so they're not really concerned about you know, their welfare as long as they can keep putting butts in the seat, selling records, creating downloads, and creating opportunity. And you know, we've seen that time in memoriam in, in the entertainment industry. It's still going on today. So it really is important, especially now that the industry is so upside down. You know, it, it really is. Um, 
and it's trying to figure out how to continue to monetize itself. You know, the, this, the infrastructure that I came up in as an aspiring artist doesn't exist anymore. So more than ever, you really have to stay true to your value system, true to your truth. Um, keep it right-sized, put one step in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. When opportunities come, you know, bring your best self to them. But I think it's a real sad thing when somebody gives up on their values in order to try to get that brass ring. I bring those people up to my clients all the time, and unequivocally, nobody wants to be any of those people. If a carrot gets dangled big enough, will you have the, the emotional stamina, the, the spiritual and emotional and intellectual stamina to stay the course and trust what you know is right rather than, you know, make a turn that, mm -hmm. that invariably, you know, for the sake of advancement, you know, ends up costing you, you know, your humanity. So those are the kind of things that I like to work on, not just, you know, notes. I work on that. You know, I help my students learn how to sing better and perform better, but that's only a small fraction of the mentoring. You know, it's, it's a much larger picture. They'll never hit the high note like you. Um, <laughs> well. Ken Stacy is our guest, and we love that advice. Fantastic oh, stuff, mentoring. Let's talk music now and sure. have some fun. You mentioned a few minutes ago that you've played with some of the biggest icons in music history. Like who? Sure. Well, I toured and recorded for a couple of years with Elton John. Um, I was in the Michael Jackson band when he passed away. I was one of the background singers in This Is It. No kidding! You'll find me in the documentary, and that was, uh, you know, that's the record-breaking all time. Not that I could take well, I'll take all the credit for that, right? Uh, but it was an honor. It was a real honor to be a part of that. And along the way, I've just, you know, been in the studio with countless, you know, mm -hmm. great artists and been able to sing on their records or in, in varying situations share the stage with them and back them up in a lot of different circumstances. People can go to my website. I'm not going to run off my, well, what my is resume. Oh, Ken Stacy, K-E-N-S-T-A-C-E-Y dot com. Okay. And that'll give people a much deeper breadth of what I've done over the last 25 plus years. So I'm going to guess uh, chronologically, you, you played and sang with Elton John, then Michael Jackson. Yeah, and, uh, and, and in between, let me think about, yeah, it was with Elton. And then, um, and then I made a, a choice to actually leave Elton John's band. Um, I wasn't... I was about to get married at the time. I wanted to start a family, and I saw the pressures and the and the uh, compromise and the and the difficult choices that everybody in that band had to make, the sacrifices, and how far away it, and how often it took them away from their families. And I had to ask myself, is this what I want? Because if I'm going to make that sacrifice, if I'm going to give up on that aspect of my life, it better make sense. It better tally on the pro side, and it didn't. But my relationships with them endure. They're an amazing group of people. I'm actually working on an Elton John project right now and as about, you know, putting down backgrounds and arranging vocals on it with Davy Johnstone and Matt Still and some really wonderful people. So, and then I found my way to, in 2006, to Ambrosia. Worked with them for a few years. Um, and then I had the opportunity to um, be with Michael Jackson. And so they understood, they were wonderful, and I had that experience. And when I came out of that, I ended up getting hired by uh, American Idol for a couple of seasons, season 10 and season 11, to be a, uh, a talent scout, a first-line judge, a vocal coach, a vocal arranger, on that show uh, for a couple of seasons. And then when I moved on from there, the timing was right, and uh, I ended up back in the band. So here I am today. That's pretty fantastic. That is a fantastic <laughs> history of music. When you, uh, I guess, audition for Michael Jackson, 
Is there an audition, or do you just say, you know what, I, I've sung with Elton John, you know, I, I'm pretty good, I've been with Elton John, I, I'm good enough for question. you, let's go, let's, yeah. when's the tour start? That's a great question. I, I happen to be one of these crazy fortunate people. Um, the Elton thing, there was never really an audition. I, I knew Davey, there was a chance. Did he know you were in the band? <laughs> Did you just show up and get on the bus one day? It was an inch, yeah, there was a very, very briefly, there was an opportunity for me earlier on, but without all the details, okay. John Mahon, their, their current percussionist, ended up being hired, which was the perfect fit at that time. He was the right guy. He really deserved, you know, if the universe, all the stars lined up, and he was the right guy. And so I'm so grateful he did. And uh, he's amazing and has been an incredible asset and a part of the band ever since then. A couple of years later, in that interim, I did a lot of work with Davy Johnstone, with Elton's MD. And we got to become extremely close friends. And he had always said, if the opportunity ever came up again, would I be interested? Well, yeah. And, uh, and the opportunity did. Um, they brought me on as an additional background vocalist and acoustic guitar player when we were supporting for uh, The Road to El Dorado, which was a movie really yep. interesting, yeah, that he did with Tim Rice. Uh, we did a bunch of um, promotional uh, dates uh, for the soundtrack. And then Elton was getting out of his record deal with the last record, the company prior, which I think was Universal. And so he gave them a live Greatest Hits record, which was at uh, the Madison Square Gardens. So my first major gig with the band and all his material was <laughs> Madison Square oh Gardens. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. And then after that, um, uh, they offered me the opportunity to be in the band permanently, and I was in there for a while. And like I said, um, came to a point where I realized um, at a, it was around when Songs from the West Coast was going to be... Um, prepared for in terms of rehearsal and then supported and I and I could hear a lot of acoustic guitar playing and a lot of vocals that I would probably be asked to sing and I thought you know this is the time if I'm in I'm in if I can really make this commitment from my heart I'm in um but I, I really I, I couldn't do it I couldn't do it mm -hmm. and there was a there was a personal loss with one of the band members that was very devastating and uh while we were out on the road and it really gave me pause it made me ask myself you know, the, you're making sacrifices, and you never know what's around the corner in life. So, is this where you really want to be? And the answer was, no. I I really want to be at home. I want to make a relationship with my you know soon-to-be wife. Hopefully, start a family, and you know, focus on a career at home. Um, and then the Michael thing was, I was with my wife at the time. We're divorced now, but at the time, uh, we were sitting in our studio at twelve thirty on a Sunday night. Son was asleep. We were. She's a singer as well. And uh, we were working on something in the studio, and the phone rang, and it was a very dear friend, Dorian Hawley. And uh, Dorian had toured with Michael before on the Bad Tour, and I think Dangerous Tour as well, and just a fabulous, great, great friend and incredible talent. And uh, my first response was, are you okay? Why are you calling me in twice? Is everything okay? And he laughed. He's got a very disarming laugh, and he said, everything's cool, and are you sitting down? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'm just here in the studio with Wendy, and what's going on? And he said, well, how would you like to tour with Michael Jackson? And that's how it started. That's amazing. I was, they, you know, it was just, I was, and I, you know, I, I've always said, if for people coming up, I was, I've always said, I auditioned for that moment for 10 years. Uh -huh. I'd known Dorian, and Daryl Finnessy also was in the band, very dear friend, also had toured before with Michael Jackson. They knew my work ethic. They knew what I sang like. We hung out as friends. So when that chair was open, and Michael wanted some diversity in the background mix, and he had Judith, 
So you had two African Americans. You had uh, Judith, who is a beautiful woman. She's an African American Asian mix. And they wanted maybe some other chair, and they wanted another male vocal. So part of it, you know, casting, you know, part of it had to do with who I was and the person that they knew me to be. And the other. <laughs> Did I happen to be the right the right fit for the diversity of the background section? But there were other guys they could have picked. Yeah. So you know, um, you know, I I always say that I was I was auditioning for that spot for a long time because when they both looked at each other, they I guess the story is they both looked at each other and said Ken Stacy. So they Perfect. called me up and there it was. Yeah. You have a book inside you. Have you started taking notes you for this book? You know what? Yeah, I, and I am trying to work on that now. A book is very daunting. Uh, you know, it's a very daunting undertaking, but I have been talking uh, to a few different people that are, uh, that are writers and getting some point, pointers and starting to frame up some, uh, some... I think there's actually a couple books. There's a couple <laughs> books. I mean, any part of your life is a good career. Singing <laughs> right. for Ambrosia is right. a great career. Singing backup for Elton John, that's a great career. You right. put it all together, yeah. throw in Michael Jackson, you've got a couple books in you. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm, I'm very, very blessed. I'm very blessed. So, Ambrosia. Yes. Um, when was the first time you've, you've heard the term yacht rock? And uh, how, <laughs> do you, I, I want to know... <laughs> Is that an offensive term? Do you, you know, like that term? That is a great question, Adam. I would say in the beginning, when I heard about that term, and it was, God, it was a long time ago. I think I did find it a little, I thought it was very demeaning. Because really? these were the artists that I came up with. And, you know, I think, I think invariably when, when something kind of gets exchanged for something else, like in the 90s when it became grunge, and, and there was a kind of, uh, I'm going to, I probably offend some people. There, there was some, there was some deassembling. <laughs> Music took a very interesting turn. I don't say I'm never going to say that there wasn't value in that era. I think every era. I think Nirvana to me was it. Uh -huh. I think everything else that came out of that era was marginally a lot, a lot of crap. I think you take any Nirvana tune, you can play it as a jazz tune, an R&B tune. Any, they are incredible songs. Kurt Cobain, mind-boggling. The band, incredible. Incredible melodies, fascinating lyrics. Uh, I, the rest of it, to me, was just a lot of noise. Um, but um, I, I think that that was a, a disparaging way of, of marginalizing an era of music that was extraordinary. Um, now people are having a chance. Everything's cyclic. People are now seeing melodies coming back. Singers, songwriters are coming back. And every 20 years or so, things cycle around. And I think what's happening is people are going, oh, my God. God and Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Thank God, God bless them. They re, they help to to reboost you know legacy artists' uh, careers, um, and and now a lot of legacy artists are partnering up and going out and 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 touring again. And the social media is helping that. There's a whole new way in which uh, legacy artists are getting out there and promoting their music and and uh, still generating and still putting people in the seats and old fans and we've done concerts where we've got people our age and older and then we and just crying and oh my god we made this kid to that song or blah 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 yeah and then their kids they're four and five and ten and fifteen and their kids are there and they come up afterwards and they're and they, they say they they're they're used to listening to pop and they have no idea about the richness 
of the music that comes from these legacy bands from this era. Mm -hmm. Some of them you mentioned earlier that seem to fall under the term of yacht rock. You know what my attitude is? It takes a hell of a lot of money to afford a yacht. So I'm fine to be in an era, yeah. <laughs> in a body of people who, who, who will end up on those yachts. I don't have a problem That's, with that. There's no, it's not offensive to me. It's not derogatory no. to me, but I wanted to know from one of the core artists in that subgenre right. of, sure. of light rock or soft rock right. in the late 70s, early 80s, if yacht rock, um, yeah. what it meant to you. And songs like biggest part of me yes. you're the only woman i mean these are yacht rock staples and, and i mean for for decades they're they're light rock staples but now in this splintered media internet right. social media right. every demographic right. i mean there are tv networks now that just 20 years ago couldn't even have been a show exactly so exactly. now to have another subgenre yeah. promoting and supporting your band and your yes. music, I think that's pretty cool. Well, they are extraordinary songs. I can't take credit for writing them. You know, those songs were written by David Pack and Joe Puerta and the, and the rest of the guys mm -hmm. in the band. And uh, You can sing them. Uh, thank you. And, you know, I, um, I, I've always said, you know, uh, stepping up and trying. I don't try to fill David's shoes because I don't think they can be filled. Uh, he's an extraordinary singer. He's an extraordinary artist. Um, I try to honor the material, and I try to bring my own fresh approach, my approach to it. Um, I love the band. I love the material. It's, it's, it's Olympic singing. At, at, mm -hmm. you know, I am a session singer. I sing everything from hard, heavy rock to, to gospel to pop to R&B to soul to the country. And I will tell you right now, unequivocally, this is the most challenging music I've ever had really? to sing. Yeah. It has to do with the melodies. It has to do with the time signatures. It has to do with the range. It's extraordinary material. Extraordinary material. So um, I'm, I'm honored and I'm grateful to have the opportunity to do it. Well, let's play it. Uh, Ambrosia, the biggest part of me. Ken Stacy, our guest, the current lead singer on tour. Once you see Ambrosia on stage, you'll see Ken singing this song. Here's the original album version, Biggest Part of Me, Ambrosia. Wait the past so that we may stay. 
It's Ambrosia, and our guest is Ken Stacy, lead singer right now for Ambrosia. And that song always sounds good, Ken. Yeah, so it's beautiful music. And we uh, just last year we did a couple of dates with uh, you know with Steve. We've done quite a bit of dates with people like Stephen Bishop. We did a few dates with Michael McDonald. You know, these are my idols. You yeah. know, first time I we rehearsed with Michael, I just I was three feet from him, and I I was just I don't get starstruck. I just don't. But I was starstruck. I mean that. So you can hang with Michael Jackson, but you meet Michael McDonald, <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh. You know what? Mm. <laughs> Michael Jackson. Michael, Michael's like stepping into being on the stage in the in the times you know that we got to share that stage and times when we'd all gather around as a group and. Wait, we're, we're, are we t- Michael Jackson this or Michael okay. McDonald? Michael Jackson. Michael here. Jackson. Now. There'd be times when we would have kumbaya moments, right? We'd all get on stage together, dancers, singers, Michael, producers, everybody, uh, Kenny Ortega. We'd all kind of hold hands. We'd talk. We'd talk about how things are going. We'd, you know, kind of have prayer and 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 it was really beautiful, but Michael. <clears throat> Michael is an enigma. Michael was, it was like standing and, and there he is in the flesh and he's humble and he's, he's there he is in a, a human, fragile human being really trying to embark on something really extraordinary. So it was very visceral and very real and very amazing. But at the same time, there's just, there's just a distance. There's just, it, that's Michael. I, I don't know how, there's just a, a space. Uh, he's kind of almost like on another plane. That, that was... That was almost like a dream in a way. Um, Michael McDonald, while he, to me, is just as extraordinary an artist, he's just, he's kind of like the guy next door. He's just the guy next door. And he comes in and he's humble beyond belief and gracious and generous. um, and, And that voice I always talk about it's like bandwidth. It's like, oh my God, <laughs> that voice. We we were doing a tune where we were, you know, trading verses, and he did his first verse in chorus, and then I had to do my verse in chorus. It's like, yeah, right. <laughs> oh my God, how do I, you know, how do I follow that? It's just so breathtaking. Well, let me see if I can, let me see if I can do that a little bit for you. Blah! And I'm like, oh my God, you can't believe what's coming out of him. What's your uh, uh, favorite Michael McDonald song? Oh. Gosh, I mean, taking it to the streets. I keep forgetting. Um, those are two of my favorites, favorite. you know. But they're they're the list goes on. He's just. I don't think there's anything he ever does that I haven't enjoyed and and respected. He's amazing. It's Ken Stacy. KenStacy.com. Yes. Lead singer, vocalist, a lot of mentoring, a lot of good, a lot of a lot of entertainment, a lot of smiles you bring to people's faces, and we can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Thank you, Ken. It's been an honor, Adam. Thank you, and best of luck with the show and. Thank you for asking me to be a part of it. I really appreciate it. You can stay connected with Ken Stacy on his website, which is KenStacy.com. That's S-T-A-C-E-Y, KenStacy.com. And follow him on Twitter at KenStacyMusic. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.